Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. It came about that while he was praying in a certain place, after he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught us to soul. Sorry, I'm starting at the beginning. This is verse 1. Uh, and, when, and he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For our, we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. This is verse 5 on the screen, perhaps. And he said to them, suppose one of you shall have a friend and he shall go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he shall answer and say, don't bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. And here's the the key verse today. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his perseverance, perseverance, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it shall be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asked for an egg, will he not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, the disciples were fascinated with this thing called prayer. Now, they'd witnessed Jesus' disappearing act every morning long before dawn. And, uh, and they asked, you know, perhaps where did he go? What did he say? Why did he need so long with his heavenly father when he knew him so well? They were, they were both puzzled and uh, and mystified by Jesus' prayer life, perhaps. And some of them had been with John the Baptist and followed him before Jesus had called them. And they couldn't take it anymore. So in Luke 11, verse 1, they blurt out, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. You know, perhaps they were looking for a kind of secret formula to sort of great spiritual power. And perhaps they were convinced that the length of the prayer was relative to its effectiveness. You know, after all that growth. Okay, Jesus' answer must have confused them because in verse 2 to 4, he gives them an even shorter version of the Lord's Prayer that he taught them in Matthew chapter 6. And so in the, um, that was in the Sermon on the Mount. So he gives them an even shorter, cut-down version. Uh, See, they were after a system. 
But Jesus gave them simplicity with relationship. See, what had drawn these men to, uh, towards Jesus was that he, he wasn't very religious. And yet they still had this legal, legalistic mindset that you had to pray long prayers to please God. And their minds couldn't grasp the intimacy that Jesus had with Father God. See, they wanted technical detail to the secret of prayer and he gave them lesson one all over again. My father-in-law told me a story about a group of um, drain diggers that came to his district in Tiuku. And they were Italian and they, they, they toured around the country doing a contract rate for, for drains. And they were pretty good. And a, and a pretty fit young guy from the district thought he'd like to have a go and join this gang or perhaps even start his own drain digging business. So he thought, I'd better learn how to do it from these guys. So he approached them and said, you know, i really like to learn how you guys do it. You know, it's just amazing to watch. And he said, can I come early tomorrow morning and get you guys, get you to give me a bit of a lesson? And the, and the guys said, okay, you can come uh, half an hour early. <laughs> so he came half an hour early and... Um, I think he even charged him for the lesson. But anyway, <laughs> he, he, he said, pick up at the speed. And he, he did, and he said, you just uh, big, dig a bigger chunks and you dig them quick. <laughs> you just dig a big chunks and you dig them quick. <laughs> that was the lesson. You see, the disciples were wanting technical, intricate, teaching on prayer, and Jesus gave them simplicity. He said it was about relationship with his father. See, then Jesus tells them a story that reveals a key to prayer that is so profound that even to this day, few discover it. In verse 8, he says, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend, notice he is a friend, Yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Wow. You say, I thought just being friends with Jesus was enough. I mean, you know, he's my mate. You know, it'll all be sweet as. But the key word here is persistence. How persistent are we in our praying for things? See, being persistent is not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. It's easy to be thankful when all's good in the hood. It's easy to be in prayer when you're well, when you're satisfied, when you're relaxed. It's a little harder when it costs us some time or some sleep. But it's a whole lot tougher when you're lonely, tired, hungry or in pain. You see, persistent prayer, it's a mission when we are hurt, rejected, betrayed or wronged. This persistent prayer thing is harder than it first appears because our true nature is revealed when everything's going wrong. And at this point, you know, it's, it's easy to give up, but then some well-meaning person tells us, well, you must have sinned, or you need more faith, 
You feel deflated and self-doubt gets a foothold and just when all the chips are down and you feel like giving in, the enemy puts the boot in. You see how hard it is to be strong in the face of all of those things going against you. Well, I first met Kylie Black, who was going to be here today at Esther Welsh's wedding. And something about her spirit kind of gelled with mine. He was a girl who'd known so much pain, but she'd pressed through that threshold of all that was against her and had persisted in prayer. We're just going to see a little tiny clip of her message to us here in Huntley today, which I, I kind of asked her if she had time to do. And uh, so we're just going to listen to a very quick little hello from her, if that's okay, guys. Kia ora Huntley Baptist. Um, I was really looking forward to being with you guys this morning. Um, and unfortunately, after three weeks, I still remain in hospital. I've um, had a number of complications to um, kind of wangle and... and and, and maneuver and, and overcome, um, we're getting there. But I first just wanted to start, I guess, by saying hello and introducing who I am. Um, so my name is Kylie Black. I am 32 years old and um, I call the Waikato my home. My, I go to Tarotini Church in Hamilton. Um, my family live in Taupo and attend C3 there. Um, all of my family originate from Hawke's Bay and I grew up in um, North Auckland in Walkworth. And I've been living in Hamilton for seven years and I absolutely love it. And, and have built incredible community. Um, I've been battling a connective tissue disease my whole life. Um, connective tissue is the collagen and it's the glue that holds our bodies together. So that's your bones, joints, ligaments, skin, blood vessels, tendons, internal organs. Um, and it's kind of why I'm still in hospital. Um, so I've had six surgeries in the last nine months and I'm hoping Monday they don't tell me I'm going back to surgery because that would be really gutting. Um, I have been in a wheelchair for the last 10 years on and off and, um, and my faith has been critical in carrying me through the really dark moments and times. Okay, so Kylie couldn't be here today but she's been through so much. Um, <clears throat> she's got every reason to want to give up. Her body is basically falling apart. She shared with me on Monday night that her, her brain is basically drifting towards her spinal cord. You know, she could have felt that God had rejected her constant prayers for healing, but she is really a truly living um, sacrifice for Christ. And... Um, we're not going to have time to perhaps listen to the full story of her, her, her journey, 
But would you agree that Kylie's story puts a lot of things into perspective? You know, when I was there on Monday night um, in hospital, she was holding a damp flannel on her forehead. She could barely open her eyes due to the migraine she was experiencing despite the Panadol drip in her arm. And I promised to only be a few minutes, but she wanted to know how my treatment was going. She began to speak about her ideas and the creative things she wants to make for others. And then she spoke about how blessed she was to have time to pray for me and for others. I had tears in my eyes as she quoted every word from a poem she'd memorized called We Are But... Um, Sorry, the weaver. <clears throat> After praying for her, I left humbled and ashamed at my pathetic prayer life. I was the one encouraged, and I had called in to encourage her. There is such a reward waiting for those who amidst every trial, temptation and test persist in prayer, never giving up, and who, as Paul says in Ephesians 3 verse 10, teach angels about worship. You know, it's okay to question God. It's okay to demand answers from Him. And not that I've done it, but I think it's even okay to be mad with God. He's big enough to handle our humanness. What He can't handle is half-heartedness. Or apathy toward him. He'd rather we wrestle with him than ignore him. We may come away with a limp like Jacob, but it's better to take our limps and our scars into eternity that we've suffered for him than to, for him to say, I never knew you. Obviously we'll be healed, but Jesus still had the holes in his hands, didn't he? When he said, put your... Hold hands in my hands. C.S. Lewis says, Prayer may not change our circumstances, but it changes us. Well, someone who's known uh, some pain and, and loss is Russell. And I would like to introduce you to my friend Russell. He's going to come and share his testimony. So th thanks, Russell, for being willing to do that. Yeah, just uh, picking up what Murray was saying there. Um you know, be honest with God, be open, be angry. And I recall listening to Adi Rem one day many years ago on Talkback, and um, I think it was Jim Stinton's show, and uh, this chap, he phoned up, he was in a car, and he said, look, I'm so angry with God, I really want to let it go. So he was, Jim said, look, I, stop your car, I want you to step out of your car, and I want you to shout at God. So you could hear him shouting, you know, and then he hops back in and uh, he said, well, how do you feel now? He says, I'm okay, he says, but everybody behind me is really angry with me because I'm on the top of the Harbour Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny how things happen. Um, <clears throat> yeah, my name's Russell Ford. Um, you can call me Russ. Uh, my late life, I've decided to use that uh, bridge name. I don't know why, I think. hope it's God-led. Um, When you're children and you're young, uh, the first thing you learn about prayer is what mum and dad teach you. 
Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon this little child. God bless my mum and my dad, my sister, my brother, me. How many of you actually did learn that prayer and say that prayer when you were young? Right? Mm. You and the foundations having a relationship with God. You didn't know it at that stage. Maybe you prayed to please mum and dad, but at the end of the day, you were actually talking to God, and he hears every prayer. It's a two-way street prayer. It's, it's not a one-way street. It, it starts with us praying to God in innocence and trust of him. And we need to be of the mindset of a little child. Like, you know, holding mum and dad's hand before you cross a busy road. That's the innocence that you need to find for God to hear you. How many of us do that, actually? You know, um, Jesus actually tells us to be more like little children. In Matthew 8, 18, he says exactly that. And you know, I've always said to kids when I've preached to kids, you know, on this particular subject, um, you know, you've got my permission to tell mum and dad that they need to be more like you when they pray. You know, look at your kids, see how they do it. Um, I'm a son of the uh, Most High God. I'm brother and friend to a son. And if you're a reborn Christian, you too are the same. You know, you're not, like, he's not away there lost to you. He is your father. Christ is your brother. He's your friend. You've got an intimate relationship with him. And I want to sort of cover a little couple of points of why that's so important. At one stage, Jesus was told he was sitting in a, in a house with a whole lot of sinners and, and others and said, your mother and your brothers are outside and they've summoned you. What was his response? You know, I'm going to paraphrase a wee bit, but he, he said, no, he says, they're not, they're in here with me. You know, probably it was the first church service ever held. I mean, there were sinners in there, we're all sinners. Um, but he was saying, if you're not in the house with me in here, you know, I can't hear you. You know, there were no smartphones and other things that we used to communicate in those days. If you wanted to communicate with someone, you had to be with them and sit down with them and talk to them. Mm. And, and, and we've lost a bit of that, haven't we? Mm. You know? Mm. Uh, and, and it's important. Uh, I suppose it's sort of like making it simpler. We've complicated it. Um, you might ask, but how do you com communicate with someone who can, you can no longer see, touch, or hold? Because they are now in the glory of the divine spirit realm. They are in the glory of God. Christ ascended into heaven. Well, the answer is quite simple. You know, you need to be reborn. You need to be reborn of the spirit. What did Christ say to Nicodemus? You must be born again of water and of the spirit. So if you haven't been reborn, you need to talk to Pastor Murray. You know? Um, it's, well, as I go around churches when I have preached, you know, some of the churches, the Anglican churches and some of the others, uh, there's a very high percentage of what I call nominal Christians, not reborn Christians. If you go into a Pentecostal church, they call them born-again Christians. Um, but you know, in the Baptist churches, I, I find it's, it's quite high of being reborn. But there are those that aren't. Don't sit there being a nominal. Talk about how you can actually get connected with Christ. Um, prayer is the heartfelt communication of your mind or mouth that 
has an increasing spiritual value to it as you enter deeper into the grace realm of knowing and relating to God. Through his spirit that Christ made available to you through your conversion and rebirth in his name. Does that make sense? Grace is the big key there. I've used that word a few times. I think we forget God is all about grace. And we need to tap into it. How do we know that prayer and the Spirit actually works? Well, because it was Jesus taught. Murray is covered about the Lord's Prayer in, in, in Matthew 6 and Luke 11. Um, Jesus said, don't babble. How many times do we recite the Lord's Prayer privately or in communion with each other? And it's like a race, you know? He's saying, don't do that. You know, God needs to hear every word you're saying. So what, you should hear that, those words coming out as well. Slow it down. It's a prayer. It's not a national anthem. Um, my own God encounter started in 1977. I had a broken heart. My little English love at the time had gone back to England. And, and I suddenly discovered what the sadness and loneliness was all about. And, and I did something strange. I cried out to God. Um, I prayed to him. But it was more about my needs than his, though. I was, I was a nominal Christian those days. Um, I could go into a heck of a lot of depth uh, about how I got to that point, but, but that's not what I'm here for. And, and maybe at some stage in the future I can finish off my testimony because I'm only going to give you the early start of it. Um, when, I, when I prayed to God, I got this, this still small voice in the brain, which I, it was foreign to me at that stage. And it just said, go and find your Bible. I thought, that's strange. So I obediently went and found a little Bible that I'd had since I was a kid, and it carried around the whole world with me, and I'd hardly used it really. Good King James, very hard to read, particularly if you're not a reborn Christian, you know. And I got it, and I said, what now? He said, open it up. So I opened it up, and it opened up, Matthew 6, and the verses preceding the Lord's Prayer. How do you pray? And as I read this, it said, uh, God hears you in private and go into your closet. And I thought, closet? I can't find a wardrobe in this house big enough to go in. And I suddenly remembered in France, they call the toilets the water closets, mm -hmm. WCs. And I thought, oh, that sounds good. I'll go into the toilet. Well, 15 minutes later, I left. And I'd read the rest of that passage and I'd memorised the Lord's Prayer off by heart. And I've got to say, in my persistence of prayer, the Lord's Prayer is what has got me through life. Whether it be in the shower in the morning, or in bed at night, or even sort of in an emergency during the day. Stop. Don't have to fix everything at once. Let him help you fix it. Just sit down quietly and, and, and recite the Lord's Prayer. Speak to him. Because that's what he was saying to the disciples, wasn't he? How do we pray, Lord? And he told them exactly how to pray. And yet I find Christians, and particularly in the churches, we don't recite that prayer enough. It is a, commun it is a, a communion prayer. It's a prayer of togetherness. Because it talks not individually. It doesn't say me or I. It says we and us. And, and it's important.
So the result of all that was a remarkable thing happened. My life started to change. I moved to Auckland. My little lady came back to me, but in the long run, that didn't work out either. Two homesick for relations in England. And um, I, uh, to jump ahead, I was involved in the financial markets. Um, things went really well. Um, but the money and the temptations and everything else, I slipped into the world. Um, you're not ashamed to have said, done so, but I wish I'd had someone on my shoulder a little bit closer and I wasn't reciting that Lord's Prayer enough. You know, mammon entices you. Satan doesn't want you to be a Christian. He doesn't want you to be in this house. You're at war with him. Do you realize that? He is at war with you because he wants to delay Christ's coming. And we've got to be on our metal. I mean, it's great to have wisdom at my age. I wish I had had it at 25, 30 as well. Um, I had my heart broken a few more times and I broke a few hearts as well. And then he put a lady in my life who he had chosen. I prayed one New Year's Eve, very lonely. You know, within a matter of months, he had introduced me to this lady. We quickly had two children, a couple of girls, and very blessed, great blessings. Um, each time those conceptions happened, I got a message from the Lord, and yet I wasn't where I am today with them. He told me things about them which I won't share today, but they're remarkable. And, and when I got the chance to ask him why, the story was just stunning. And I feel pretty limp right now because it's so, mag so great, that story. Uh, but what have I done with it? Well, I think I've done a lot, but I don't think it's ended yet. There's a lot more to come. Um, <clears throat> problems for me, though, began about 1982. Um, I started to become very, very lethargic. Like Heidi, she's going through a lot. I relate to that because I've been exactly where she is. Um, I sort of spoke to flatmates and friends and, and they introduced her a naturopath and got uh, vitamins and stuff into me and some of those did more damage than not. Um, but I pushed ahead and then I fell over in, 80, in about, uh, started to get sick about 86 and um, I... I got diagnosed on a, I was in a bit of conflict because as a Christian, I, I was a bit worried about Eastern medicine. But I got diagnosed on a machine called a, a Dermatron diagnostic machine. And I had Candida albicans. Very unusual in a male. My whole body was rotting. So I, um, I got some treatment for that and it took 18 months. And uh, it cleaned me out, changed my diet, and I got back to normal. Back in the financial markets, everything went back to normal again. And uh, then the crash happened in 87. And then I started to struggle once more. And by 1993, I was a mess. I'd had pneumonia a number of times. And uh, it was clear to me that the candida I'd had came from an overuse of antibiotics. So use of antibiotics every time I needed to stay at work for 12 hours a day it isn't good for you, you know? I wasn't listening to my body. So I, from there, and I fell over badly at Oct One. I don't know if anyone here went to Oct One, ASB Centre. This was a scription song, 25th anniversary. And I picked up a bug off an American traveller and uh, got very sick, ended up in hospital. Came out of hospital, 
fell over three days later, back in again. I was fatigued, couldn't get out of bed for two months or so, from October to December. I couldn't even walk to the top of my drive. 15 hours a day in bed. And I just thought my world was fading. I was just, death was coming. So I cried out to him on um, 3rd of December. And uh, he answered. And that's part two. All I can say is what happened from there is, uh, is remarkable. And um, I survived it all. And uh, August of 94, I got diagnosed as being secondary hypothyroid. Anyone here has got hypothyroidism? Mm. You know, it's a terrible thing. It affects the man's uh, uh, thyroid functions and thyroxine, testosterone. Um, It's a shocker. And um, you get this malaise where you're just crippled. And um, I lived with that for a while. But in August, they diagnosed that. And then it came from the result that I had the form maturity gland that they could never see before that until they got a modern CT scan and they found it. Genetic, maybe. I think it was DDT over poisoning when we were kids. All the stuff that went on our gardens when you're in the process of growing. Little kids can't handle that. And I think what happened in the 50s was terrible. And it's been buried. But uh, that's why I think I, I, I've got this deformity and why I've got this medical condition. But, you know, it's, I'm, I'm lucky. Poor Kylie. They're still trying to find. They can't give her a panacea medicine or something to, to bring her right. I, I just take thyroxine tablets and uh, replace what I can't manufacture. So persistence of prayer on that um, is important because I've fallen over many times since. And if I find I can't get out of bed in the morning, believe you me, I know now to pray. And the Lord says, you stay in bed, I'm going to stay in bed. You know, no matter who it's going to affect. And, you know, two days later, I'm, I'm up and sparking on all cylinders and, and great. Um, but it doesn't mean to say that I'm perfect. It doesn't mean to say that I'm not a sinner. It doesn't mean to say that I can't actually every morning ask God for forgiveness and to recite that Lord's Prayer. If I can leave you with one thing, is that Lord's Prayer. I hope everyone starts to use it every morning, every time you've got a problem in life, and every evening before you go to bed. Um, that's all I've got to say. Thanks, Mo. Mm, that's your thank you. Awesome. Awesome, Russell. Wow, quite a journey, eh? Yeah. So how do we build an effective prayer life? I've just got a few thoughts on uh, very quickly wrapping this up. Um, and it's already been... Choose, choose a place and a time in the day where we can get aside. Maybe it's a, a particular garden chair in the garden or a stump in the out in the paddock or somewhere where you can get away and that's your prayer, prayer closet in a sense. Um, that's in Matthew 6.6. 6. Jesus says, don't do it all out on show like the Pharisees, but um, go and close the closet door and pray. Number two, learn also to make dart prayers. We've already heard about that from Jenny this morning during the day. In other words, we don't have to, to pray very long. We can just say, God, just be with those people in the media. We've been encouraged to do that, haven't we? Be with politicians and, and, and deciding on this thing today. Whatever it is, we can just make a dart prayer. Ephesians 6 verse 18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So these are the ones we do during the day. These are the ones we do as we go. 
the little ones, just dart prayers. We can't be always praying, but we can pray in the Spirit on all occasions. So wherever we are, we can pray. But just don't close your eyes when you're driving. <laughs> Number three, write a list and get specific. Get specific. Now this is a different kind of prayer. Where, where the second half of that verse, Ephesians six eighteen b says, With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Well, that's pretty hard too, but if we make a list, we make a list of the ones that the, the Lord puts on our heart. Brian's taught us to do that at prayer meeting. James 4 verse 2 says, You don't have because you don't ask. But there are some conditions to that in verse 3 and 4. Read it later. So these are just some of the thoughts around prayer. Just For a start off, just find a place, a quiet place where you... Go on your own and have quality prayer. Number two, just make dart prayers during the day, whatever situation you're in. Even the Lord help me prayers, I think, are some of the most special. You know, we've been to many Easter camps, and on the last day there's often these little kids going, oh, God, help me when I go home to my family. You know, those are sort of the like, Really special prayers that I think God must really honour honour because they've come from this person who's just found their friendship with Jesus. And then there's the write them down type prayers. You know, around all these thoughts on prayer, we need to be persistent. And I guess that's the word for today. Persistence in prayer is what Jesus' story about the man wanting bread was all about. He wasn't saying that God's a wanting to hold out on us. He wasn't saying that God's mean or, uh, um, or miserable about giving away stuff. He just it was making the point, we need for our sake to learn how to persist. You know, I, I, over the years, struggled with prayer. I've always loved the Word of God. I just love the Word of God, but I've struggled with prayer. To be persistent and to be, be regular in it and all of that, but just, you know, lately God's been putting it on my heart to just really focus on a, on a solid prayer life. And, you know, on Thursday nights, we've just been having wonderful prayer nights. And I think others have helped me to um, build my prayer life and to uh, share with them uh, what's going on during the week. Um, but also to just be real with God, you know, to really, really press in and pray. Uh, many years ago, I was in India, and, uh, and one of our team got sick. And I couldn't sleep. And about midnight, I went up on the roof of the place where we were staying, and there was a, a young Indian pastor pleading, pleading out to God for my friend. And I just thought, man, I just don't know anything about prayer, really. This young man had been there for hours. And I believe my, our friend on our team may well have died had it not been for the prayers of these local pastors. You know, for many years I just ran on E, E for empty. But now I love prayer. I love prayer. And I think we need to learn um, to do these three, three things. Choose a time and place. Learn to make dart prayers and make lists and and. and and work it through with praying for God's people with purpose and 
persistence. So this month, the focus is on those who have gone out, our missionaries. So let's pray for them daily. Let's learn their names and build more persistence into our prayer life. Amen? Amen. We're going to hear more of um, Kylie's story when she comes. She's still hoping to come to us. So we'll hear more of her story then. But um, just listening to her say about being blessed to be able to pray for others was so humbling when her life could well be all about her. But she just turns every prayer into some, a prayer for others. Let's pray. Father, we just want to learn to make God-centered prayers and pray for others before ourselves. Lord, we want to be persistent in this. We want to learn how to take prayer seriously. Teach us, O oh Lord, to pray like the disciples asked you to. And Lord, we just pray we'd build upon the things we've learned even today and go home and pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.